Welcome everybody to the Too High Podcast. I am Seth Bellino alongside Deontay Lee and our guest joining us right from the start, Mr. Richard Johnson, the one and only come to talk about uh, college football and some other stuff. RJ, what's going on? What it do, baby? <laughs> I just want to uh, let RJ know I'm fresh out the barbershop. Had to get it shaped up. Uh-huh. Time, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm, because the TV show is done now, I like I have been on a schedule like every three weeks, like right. without fail. So I'm missing this week, but I'm going home next week and can't get flamed by the homies. So yes. absolutely got to get the cut. Got to get right. Got to get right. It's a little different for white people. We spent it's like a more of a six week period. <laughs> I'm just trying to get on my Marcus Free I'm trying to get on my Marcus Freeman shit. Man, yeah. yeah man. Dude, I saw that picture of him with the side profile. I was like, wow, I haven't seen an S curl like that since I was in middle school. <laughs> Seth has no idea what we're talking no about. No clue. No clue. He could not I, tell you what aisle to find that on in the store. Look, the the when I was like nineteen or twenty or something, uh I I was I went to the I went to a barber and I said, "Give me a high top fade." Oh, that's God. the the most. Oh, that's the. I would love to have seen I'm, I'm what his guy. idea of that. What's your barber's idea of a high top fade with your hair? Look. <laughs> well, no, I went to a black barber. Like I, I oh, God. I got recommended. Okay. I was like, "Hey, you go to this guy, whatever." And then he probably, I he probably didn't like it. I didn't like it. And here we are, <laughs> ten years later. I have a mullet. Now we're rocking a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, let's 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 jump right into it, um, and talk. Uh, we wanted to get through our again, uh, you know, one of our favorite segments uh, that we do weekly, and I'm really happy to have Richard on this segment because it is, uh, you know, we me and Deontay talk about this all the time. What's our favorite segment? What's our favorite segment? This is our favorite segment, uh, and of course, we are talking about. The segment called "What the fuck is wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars?" God. Presented by Manscaped. Uh, <laughs> Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and whatever else this holiday season. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code PFF for twenty percent off and free shipping. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your skin. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. They also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get yourself uh, and whoever else, uh, all your friends, all your family members, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use uh, promo code PFF. All right, uh, RJ. I I have listened to every single episode of this podcast. That is the best ad read that you have done the entire run. They're going to cancel us now. Like now, now that the ratings are going to go down. All right. Richard, you uh, grew up near the Jacksonville area. Ugh. You are a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Ugh. What the fuck is going wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars? It could be just, it could be the whole season or you could even specify just this week. 
Oh, brother, trust me, I got some <laughs> shit to get off my chest. I do, a, I do a college football podcast. I ain't got nowhere else to put it. It's here in John Shipley's DMs. Right. Um, I, um, so yeah, as, as Seth said, yeah, I am. Uh, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. I grew up uh, about an hour and a half from Jacksonville. Um, I basically fell out of like I didn't really care for the Jaguars for like a good ten year stretch there because Florida was winning national championships in two sports. So who needs it? Um, then they suckered me in in twenty seventeen. Suckered me back in. In 2017, when they made the run to the AFC Championship game, it was the first year that I had ever moved away from home, felt a little homesick. It was nice to sort of have that, that touch, back, touch point back to home, um, and every single thing since that season <laughs> ended has been absolute dreck slop. Um, now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the starting quarterback. We love him. He's our beautiful boy. But everything else, more or less, around this franchise has been an absolute dumpster fire. It's one of those things where, like, okay, in preseason, things didn't go well, but it's just preseason. You guys, right. are, you guys told me it's just preseason. Don't worry about it. Okay. Week one, played in the Texans, who are literally not trying to win football games. And they got absolutely smoked on the road in Trevor's first start. Uh, Broncos game didn't go well. Had a moment in um, against the Cardinals where they had like a 110-yard kick return. Right. Thursday night game against the Bengals where they actually fought pretty hard and almost won the game. And then... Then. And then. So, yeah. like, I think it's pretty clear what's happened here. Shot Khan, the ownership of the Jacksonville Jaguars, got sold a bill of goods mm-hmm. as far as what Urban Meyer could give to them and who Urban Meyer is as a football coach right now. He said it earlier this it's Thursday night. He said it on I believe Monday. He was asked by the Jacksonville media, "What changed? Like what has changed because you micromanaged your way to two national championships at the University of Florida and another at Ohio State and you were this like, you know, maniacal you can't do it another way in college football." Exactly. And you know every single, you know, every and and Urban literally said it because Urban always literally says it apparently. Uh, as, as far as what's on his mind these days, Urban literally said, he's like, yeah, I'm not that guy. And they asked him, like, do you regret that you changed your style? He's like, I like needed to be able to sleep at night. So I changed my style. And they were like, do you regret it? And he was like, yeah, well, I regret a lot of things. And he's, and I'm just like, oh my God. Like it's, it's very clear that it's just, they got sold a bill of goods. This is not the guy who led Florida and Ohio State to national championships. He's not cut out to be that coach. He is in over his head. He is committing the coaching version of malpractice every single week with this franchise. And it's it's getting worse every single week. They had like a two or three week stretch. The, the game where they beat the Bills, they played Ooh. exceptional in that game. Oh, the defense. Played exceptional <laughs> that game. Um, they they legitimately hung with the Colts. I thought they played the Colts very well after the first quarter. Right. And then the 49ers game happens, and they play like shit. Like, so what do you have on offense? You have on offense, you have a, a running game that is not bad. I really and truly do not think their running game is bad. But when you're down 30 points, you can't run the ball. The other thing is you have a passing game that does not have a receiver that can get open, has terrible spacing, uh, has receivers that do not do the right things off the line of scrimmage, whether they're getting bumped, whether they're running the wrong routes in week 12 or week 13, whether they're bumping into each other, whether they're not catching the fucking ball. I'm not talking about off the back of your helmet, man. 
I'm talking about like in your, I, I got screenshots on screenshots of balls that are hitting face masks. Guys, I'm going insane every single Sunday for three hours watching this team. It's the, I, I don't even know if they're better or worse than last year's team that went 1-15. I'm not even sure yet. What I do know is they have this man, Trevor Lawrence, in hell. And the most recent thing is, the last two, uh, two three weeks, is that James Robinson has fumbled, fumbled in the Falcons game, gets benched. Gets benched for, I think, three straight possessions. Obviously, the backup running back who they drafted, Travis Etienne, has not played the whole season. He's hurt. Carlos Hyde, yes, that Carlos Hyde, is the de facto, is the backup running back. He's literally the backup running back. Obviously played with Urban at Ohio State. Carlos Hyde is on the field in the red zone against the Falcons, and then your, your third string running back as well, who I believe they cut, check me on that, but I think they cut him last week, or demoted him to the practice squad. It's just a joke. And then he fumbled, James Robinson fumbles again against the Rams, and he gets benched for like, you know, another three possessions. And it's gotten to a point where everybody's asking Urban Meyer, why is your best player not on the field in very crucial spots? And it's he doesn't even have a bad answer. He doesn't have an answer. He's like, I don't know. We should probably talk to Bevel, the offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, and the running backs coach about it. What do you do here? I'm serious. He's the culture what coordinator. What is your purpose? On this coaching staff, what are you doing to lead this team out of this thing? Now, in the last, I believe, three weeks, they have had chief of staff has left to go back to college to go to Texas. Uh, Tight ends coach is going back to Virginia Tech, reportedly, at the end of the season to be the offensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Defensive line coach, rumored to be going to Florida. And there's another coach on staff who is rumored to be leaving as well. That's three on-field assistants and one uh, you know, front office guy liaison between the head coaching staff and you know media, PR, et cetera, et cetera, that are out the door and out the building before it's week 13. It is unconscionable to me that you could try to run this back with Urban Meyer as head coach of this team next year. It, I, it, I don't even know what I'll do. If they try to do that, he has him. Emb- he's embarrassed shot Khan and this franchise. I just don't get it. It's just every Sunday, man, every Sunday. I mean, I've never seen this in my life. I've never Honestly, seen, I've never no. seen a coach put, throw people under the bus as much as he does on a weekly basis. But, I, and it's like, you're the, like, I, I, you have to take, you have to take like, even if you don't know, even if you don't give a shit about running back rotations, you should. You're the head coach. But even if you don't care, like you got to pretend like, you know what I mean? Like give a, like you said, give a bad answer rather than Especially a no answer. Especially t- 24 hours after the game, yeah, you should like give a, a bad answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. can't even. At least just lie. Just How about lie. you lie? Lie to me, Hey, baby. I talked to the running backs coach and he said this. Next question. Nobody knows the goddamn difference. it's just like it's just every week it's something with this team every week it's something and 
it's just crazy that they're going to like fall ass backwards into the number one pick again. Because, by the way, they play the Texans on the 19th, and then they play the Jets on the 26th. Mm. So the top three picks are going to sort themselves out over the next few weeks. So I have two thoughts really about the Jaguars. Number one, the first one, and the one that pops in my head the most often is uh, a saying that I learned in college and that is a like big thing in football, in, in pro football, right? And they always say you retire from football or football retires you. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first time I think I've seen this happen like this with an NFL head coach. And for it to happen in year one. So to your point, like, I actually think there's something kind of interesting in the psychology of this almost sociopathic competitor, somebody who has been so competitive. He has literally been told by physicians he's killing himself. You are dying every time you freak out about football. Okay, to the point where they told you, hey, you should probably not do this anymore. If you value your life, you should probably stop doing this. Okay, so that's number one. So I understand if he's legitimately like, hey, I've reevaluated and I don't know if I want to live like that anymore. Great. But what you should probably do when that happens is go to the owner's office and say, my bad. Thought thought it was going to be something else. It's not that. Let me go ahead and bow out gracefully. And the part that really trips me out still on my first point is that he had the perfect exit ramp. You got the perfect exit ramp. Came in Nebraska. Scandal pops. Everybody's got eyes on you. Don't look great. That's probably as good a time as any to say, "Ah, uh, you got me." Yeah, I'm already he still in got o- his money. He can go I'm right out to Ohio. sunset. Hey, I'm already in Ohio. Okay, I'll Uber I'll home. Stay. I'll, I'll stay. I'll just in Ohio. Uber home. It's cool. I, I wanted to go watch the Buckeyes play <laughs> anyway. Okay, <laughs> I want to go meet with Ryan Day. It would have been perfectly fine, and I think everybody would have understood. But to stay and, like you said, to watch it just get progressively worse. I can't even tell you a throw that Trevor Lawrence has made after week six because I stopped watching. Why (laughs) would I watch? Why would I watch? What is there to see? And that's crazy. And Richard knows this because we obviously communicate a whole bunch outside of, you know, our professional endeavors. How I felt about Trevor Lawrence. Like, I, I do not, I am not exaggerating when I say that the way that I thought about Trevor Lawrence was that he is the most unfuckupable quarterback to come out of college football well you guys should have read a post a piece i wrote two years ago oh boy here we go here we go here we go (laughs) like i don't i don't get it i don't get it and they're even even if you're say the lions there's there's reason to be optimistic for them because they're cheap and bad right now and the goal was to do this anyways and we just lost right exactly every you got a head coach has got a vision your head coach has got a vision. You know where this is going to go if you get all the pieces you need. If you're losing now, it's cool. You're playing a bunch of dudes who are 24 years old right now anyways. Who cares? If you're the Falcons, you're bottoming out. You know, you're paying the price of being good for three, four, five years. I think that Falcons fans are unpleasant right now, but I think they probably understand what the state of things are. But to your point, Richard, to be sold this bill of goods, hey, we're getting a guy that you probably don't really, you already don't really like. But yeah. he's got all he's got this resume. So what are you going to say about the resume? We finally got, were able to drag this guy out of college into the NFL and he's going to implement this, this and that. And then we get the strength coach hire. Then we get the strength oh. coach unhiring. Yep. Then we get <laughs> that, I didn't even bring that up. That was February. I think it was like February. Yes. That's why I'm like everything from step one in this process has just been wrong. And it's crazy. You know, we I think in the media, there's a lot of rush to maybe be hyperbolic and how badly a bad idea can go. 
this is one of the few times where everything that everybody said would go wrong went wrong exactly how they said it was gonna go wrong yeah when it was gonna go wrong (laughs) how it was gonna go wrong and why it was gonna go wrong okay (laughs) this was crazy we don't hit the lottery like this in the media very often and i do think to your point it would be malpractice of of con to look over this entire situation and say hey let's do it again i'm gonna give you a i'm gonna give you another top five nfl pick to do this with because it's not only that they're bad they are being embarrassed every single week, not just on the field. The head coach is embarrassing you every time he steps to the lectern to give the, like, you know, it's funny that all of those motive, all them little motivational messages. He was talking about preseason plus two own it. By the way, those are no longer said. Yeah. Where'd where'd those go? Where'd those go? Where'd those go? (laughs) Curious. Hmm. Interesting. Like, I, like you, and it, you know, this is not a college buyout situation either. Like, I understand you probably will have a lot of money to to put to this man if you do send him on his way in uh, the first weekend of January. You take your yacht to football games. I don't give a shit. Pay the money and figure it out because you have a golden ticket with blonde hair who wears number 16 and even he earlier this week we've the three of us have followed Trevor Lawrence basically since he's been 16 years old basically this guy is a very chill bro as far as the quarterbacks and competitors are concerned I'm not saying he's not competitive but this is not the most rah-rah Tim Tebow leader guy in the world. And for him to get up this week and say, I want James Robinson on the field. James Robinson is the best player we have. I have voiced my opinion that James Robinson needs to be on the field. At some point in time, I would imagine Trevor Lawrence is going to have a meeting with Shad Khan and tell him how this season went. And if Shad Khan hears that in an exit meeting at the end of the season or Trent Baalke, the GM or whoever, they hear that and they hear the face of your franchise is frustrated or what have you. You better not do the things that you did after 2017 when you heard a, a you know, three quarters of the league grievances to the NFLPA were coming out of your locker room. Right. From Jalen Ramsey, from all the, from Leonard Fournette, from all of those guys. Don't repeat the same mistakes which is listen to the best players in your building, say this guy is not working, and run it back. Because you're going to continue to be a joke. Because this franchise is a joke in the league. Talk to anybody else around the league. They are the new Browns. And speaking to that personality type of that quarterback, you want to find out whether or not somebody else will pull an Andrew Luck? Try it with that guy. Yes. I, I don't think that he is that pressed to be the best quarterback of all time. I think he would like to be. I don't think that he's willing to pay the price of being a Jacksonville Jaguar for multiple contracts to get there. I think he feels like he'll be fine. I think that he feels that all of his accomplishments in his life are perfectly fine. And he will go live perfectly normal life outside of football when this is all said and done. Don't think you're getting the guy who's going to lay his body on the line even when things are awful. Because I don't think that's what you're going to get out of that dude. Would you be concerned? The, the only thing, that I, it, it, I mean, I'm on agreement with all of you guys. Like, it, it can't happen. It's over. Like, it can't happen again. But would you be concerned if you got rid of the offensive coaches, you know, the offensive coordinator, Dara Bevel, maybe Brian Schottenheimer, the passing game coordinator, the guys who have worked with 
Trevor and are trying to build this thing around Trevor. It doesn't look good. It looks horrible. I get that. But like guys who who've worked with him, and you know, some of the stuff that's come out where they're talking about how hey, you know, Trevor uh, sets of protections and we don't have to tell him stuff. You know, he does it by himself. Like we're creating a real quarterback here. Would you want to disrupt that? Bring in someone completely new. Um, Cause I don't think Darrell Bell was like a bad offensive coordinator or anything. like no, that. I, I mean, it may, no. it may look really bad right now, but like, he's probably a fine. So I don't I, know. That, that would be my only thing is like, if you get rid of urban, you probably get in, you probably get doing the whole thing over again. And that means no Darrell Bevel or any continuity there with the offense. Because I don't think I you're, you're not making you, Darrell Bevel the head coach, right? I get well, well I, like I can okay. tell you, I can tell you that first of all, he's done that before. Has Shad Khan? Um, Doug Marone was an offensive line coach, then became right. interim, and then kept the head job. Um, uh, and uh, t- I mean, to be frank, it seemed like the players actually did pretty well ride with Doug Marone during that run. It was Tom Coughlin that was screwing everything up. Um, they're going to clean house of the offensive staff. Yeah. That's that's a pretty open. Yeah, secret I think right this now. is a given. Yeah, like and in, my thing is like, man, if you're cleaning out the whole offensive staff, you might as well clean the whole thing out. <laughs> like I like I I I don't mind a lot of the defensive staff. Um, you know, I think a lot of their problems on defense stem more from personnel than it does like play calls and I mean, schemes. Like, I actually think defense, man. Yeah, I mean honestly they they sort of switched, frankly, mid season from man to being very zone heavy. And it's actually kind of worked. I mean, Ooh. yes, results vary. You gave up forty points to the Rams. But like it it so, you know, it sort of had some pretty good early returns, particularly against the Colts and the Bills. Um on offense though Outside of James Robinson, I don't know what you have for skill talent. Outside, you know, DJ Chark will come back, but DJ Chark is not a number one receiver. I think what's DJ Chark is a very talented receiver. What's the deal with Marvin one. Jones? Explain. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think thought Marvin this Jones. was a good free agency signing, and I don't know. Marvin Jones is supposed to be your veteran leader, running the wrong routes, right. not getting, not covering up the tight end as an X. I just. I, what what do we have here? Like, what do you have here? I don't know. I mean, this is emotional, but I don't know who you bring back on the skill player outside of James Robinson next season. Like, yes, you I, like you're getting Trav- Travis Etienne back, I guess. That's you're getting Travis nice. Etienne back, which, yes, they're going to need a home run. And I am excited. But Travis Etienne has a foot injury. Like, you can't necessarily even count on that to heal the right way. So it's just like. You know, they're gonna have a top three pick. I would probably uh, like Evan Neal. You think Evan Neal draft yeah. Evan Neal? I like. Yeah. I think Josh Allen's played really well this year um, at at defensive end. Maybe you take Kayvon Thibodeau, or maybe you take Aiden Hutchinson to have like Josh Allen's a speed guy, Aiden Hutchinson's a power guy, and you sort of have that combo in the defensive line. Like, I would not be upset if they take one of the edges, or if they take Evan Neal and just say, Evan, you and Trevor. It's you yep. to ride for the next five years and learn. Yeah, I think this for me. To me, I, I kind of agree with you. Probably lean toward Evan Neal, but you're not mad at taking any of the edge guys at all. Um, I don't even think you're mad if you take like a Kyle Hamilton. I mean, no, I, depending no, no, on what no, pick it they is, they don't have a safety either. So I'm not yeah, mad if they take Kyle right. Hamilton either. You're replacing Kyle. Ham- you're replacing like what's his face Andrew Wingard with like Kyle Hamilton like you're you're good you're you're cool with that like no problem I yeah, guess I, the Hamilton thing would probably depend on which pick it is if it's pick three versus pick one maybe you know take yeah but if they let, let's say they do figure it out and they beat the Texans and the Jets 
and they end up at like four or five. And Kyle Hamilton's there, like I'm good, easy, I'm right? Good best player, easy. I mean, best player, dude. Just take, take the good Stingley. Player. Like it doesn't matter. All the all four of those guys, I think you are five of those guys. I think you 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 you. No, take them no in a heartbeat, and you don't think, yeah, don't think twice about it. Yeah, like whoever, whoever are, you feel like is the the highest rated. Like we're all gonna have like that's the I think the fun thing about this draft is like we're all gonna have different guys who we think is the the best regardless of position player, whether it's Neil Stingley, Hamilton, or the two edge guys we talked about, or even. Our boy Derek Klassen's uh, edge guy, um, the Greek freak, uh, George Karlaftis. Like, we're all going to have a different guy there. So whoever you right. think, like, if you're the Jaguars, whoever you think is the best, take him. Like, that's it. And then yep. just live with that. And again, by the way, you're going to have probably league-leading amount of cap space. So this yeah. becomes another reason why this cannot continue. Because you are going to have enough cap space to spend, and you already last season, when you also had the league-leading amount of cap space, ran into the issue of people do not want to come to your joke of an organization. That's going to continue again, and you're going to waste another summer of guys you could take swings at in free agency who don't want to come because what's going on in the building. That, for me, like just like let, we can just end this right here. But I, I just re- was reminded in my head about how Urban Meyer took that first preseason loss. <laughs> like, dude, you're in, you're just you're in, <sighs> in above your head. If you're freaking His, out about losing a preseason game, man. Andrew Norwell, who is who's played really well this season, honestly. Um, Andrew Norwell is offensive lineman. He played for Urban at Ohio State, and he was like, "Yeah, I had to tell Urban, like, dude, chill. It's preseason." A shame. All right, That's let's a move shame. on to hashtag CFB talk. Our hell yeah, actually, baby. Our favorite As we make segment. this transition. One last thing. Let's let's keep this Ohio to Florida pipeline going and send Luke Fickle to Jacksonville. Come on, baby. Let's do it. I'd be down for that. Come on, hey, Ohio people. Ohio people got summer homes in Florida. All, get summer <laughs> homes in Florida all the time. What's the difference? Come on, Luke. Let's go fix. Let's go fix Big Brother's mess. All right, um, hashtag CFB talk is presented by, of course, the Too High Podcast and PFF. So right now on PFF.com, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the promo code Too High. that's T-W-O-H-I-G-H. Grades and data are live for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get? PFF's locked article content, uh, NFL and college football betting dashboards, uh, which include the grade power projections, cover probabilities, and betting value, zero to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team, a player prop tool, which shows a positive and negative value for every NFL prop, and much, much more. Support the pod. Use promo code 2HIGH, T-W-O-H-I-G-H, for 25% off any subscription. Also, this holiday season, uh, we want um, you guys to go to uh, contact at pff.com, email contact at pff.com, and tell us what PFF feature you love the most and what do you want the most from PFF. Tell us which podcast sent you that's PFF, that's too high. And uh, we'll put your ideas onto a wish list for 2022 and we'll try and make it happen. So um, contact at PFF.com. All right, let's get into uh, – I have so many questions for you, uh, RJ, about um, every team. But I want to start close to home with you. Let's start with the, the, the tr- kind of triangle that's forming here between – Florida, LSU, and Notre Dame. Who's who? Uh, who's got the worst of it now? <laughs> who, who's coming out the, in the in last place right now? I, I am I, a I'm a sadist. I'm sadist. Sadomasochist. Sadist. 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 Sadomasochist. I think is the word I was looking for. 
Um, tell me it's LSU. I'll say so this because feel I feel something. I'll say this because I'll say I, I said this on my podcast about all of these jobs, even Florida's. Statistically, every single one of these schools is going to be here, right back here again in four years. <laughs> yep. Florida, Oklahoma. No, like if the head coach of Oklahoma, the sitting head coach of Oklahoma, can do something that has not happened since 1947. If the head coach of Notre Dame can do something that a sitting head coach of Notre Dame has not done since 1907, anybody can get it in this coaching carousel college football thing. So, say that to say. Um, I, I do think LSU just sort of by proxy becomes the one that right now, before we've kicked a ball in 2022, before we've signed a recruiting class, looks roughest right now. Um, well, they don't have coordinators, so that's a problem. <laughs> I know that they did obviously sign uh, uh, Coach Frank Wilson from McNeese, um, which is going to be massive for recruiting. Cannot be Huge. understated how good of a guy he is at getting the best recruits, particularly in that area of the country. Now, I will say, like, I think LSU is going to have a transfer problem. Uh, I think they're going to have Dude, a lot of guys get out. Max Johnson is transferring. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not great. Um, so they're going to have that to deal with. I think there is going to be a brain drain at LSU, um, and I think it's going to affect them next season. Um, I, I do think they'll probably still want to win a national championship as, next season. Richard. As far as Eras is concerned, <laughs> Florida. But, but the I, other I thing is, I do think, this again. I think Florida is going to be a slow build because what what Billy Napier is trying to do here is trying to change like program infrastructure stuff right. from the top down. Florida has not had an effective player personnel department probably since 2014-ish. I was going to say like McElwain. End of Muschamp era. End yeah. of Muschamp era. They have not effectively been able to recruit or develop personnel. Um, remember, Dan Mullen came in. Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. those are not Dan Mullen recruits. Those are Jim McElwain recruits. Um, and, and so they have struggled for a while here relative to their station in the sport with getting high level talent, obviously to the clip that they should be able to. Um, so yeah, I, I think Florida is doing an infrastructure thing. I think Florida will be a slower build. Billy Napier has already said, we're not signing a lot of guys in the middle of December. We're not. And I know Florida fans are freaking the fuck out right now because Jacob Copeland's transferring. They lost a, another wide receiver in the recruiting class. They lost a quarterback in the recruiting class. Your transition recruiting class is going to not be great anyway. And this guy is trying to build this thing up from 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 soup to nuts. Like, right. just give him a second. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't write off 2022, but I'm like, whatever they do in 2022 is pretty found money as far as I'm concerned, above expectation of seven or eight wins. Right. I was going to say, I mean, you, you don't get a you don't get a year zero at Florida, but this is probably about as close to a year zero. as you. Yeah, it's, it's a year point seven five or something. Yeah. Uh, you're excited, like, so they go and they take uh, Corey Raymond, who was a DB coach recruiter extraordinaire from LSU. He's going to go to Florida. And L and I know Brian Kelly tried to keep him because I think a week ago it was like, oh, Corey Raymond is staying at LSU. And then it comes out, it was like yesterday or something, that Corey Raymond is going to Florida. He's been on staff at LSU for 10 years, survived both, you know, the Miles firing. Uh, clearly a guy that, they, that LSU wants to keep on staff. He's going there. You're talking about... Maybe getting uh, Tosh, who Billy Napier is close with, to come 
another good, really good recruiter um, who died, you know, Jacksonville defensive line coach. So that is important. Now, I can you explain, we're talking about Florida, their issues in recruiting in terms of like uh, where they're not getting recruits from. I mean, I'll leave that open-ended because obviously we... Yeah, I like, let's just take the state of Florida for sort of what it is. Um, I So Florida has struggled in South Florida, but everybody has in South Florida because Nick Saban decided that, I want all the talent in South Florida. So he went and got it. Like, go look at, I believe it's 2021. Go look at the top 15, either 2020 or 2021 recruits from the state of Florida. There's a lot of cursive A at the top of those rankings as far as where those kids ended up. Yeah. Um, That, you know, there's no excuse that those guys don't stay in state. I'm not even talking about Florida. I'm talking about Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Miami, right. Nobody's keeping those kids home. Um, then there's so at, at, sort of if you want to go from south to north in the state of Florida, um, you then come up I-95 a little bit. You're in Palm Beach County, that area. Um, Florida has needed to mend some fences there uh, that they they're going to need to do that in the future. Um, you come up to central Florida. Dan Mullen actually didn't do too poorly in the Lakeland Tampa corridor, which is sort of west of Orlando. Um didn't do poor, too poorly there. That's uh, like Sefner Armwood. There's some really good, talented players that come out of there. Um, Indiana's coach, Tom Allen, has gotten some guys in that part of the area because that's where he used to coach. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, they've done fine there. Um, in Jacksonville, they've been getting beat in Jacksonville. Get, get, been getting beat in Jacksonville by Georgia. That can't happen. Cannot continue. <laughs> they get like, beat in Jacksonville can't. on the field by, and else, by they also Georgia get, a lot, They too. also get beat in Jacksonville <laughs> on the field. So... They got to shore some things up. But, like, Billy Napier is building a staff of hitters on the recruiting team. It's pretty clear. Um, And because of that, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of of time to build those relationships. Those guys probably have their strongest relationship in Louisiana. You know, obviously, they're probably going to be able to pull some kids out of Louisiana just based on where the staff is based. But if you're in Florida, you don't necessarily want to make a living fighting recruiting battles in, in Louisiana. There's not enough guys yeah, like I know LSU fans are like, like oh my God, Florida's coming coming to Louisiana, and it's more like I mean, we talked about this before, but like it's more like hey, let's go and get. I don't care where they're from; they just happen to be from Louisiana. Let's go get good recruiters. If you're a good recruiter, you, you know if you're a, a, a used car salesman, you can sell cars anywhere, right? That's right. the whole point. Like you know, it's not you're not taking Corey Raymond so you can go back to Baton Rouge and, and go get a kid. I mean, obviously, like you said, you try and get whoever you can, but like you're trying to bring him here and be a good recruiter in the places you need to be a good recruiter in the places you just talked about. So I don't think it's, and, and I don't think that's like a thing. Like pe- people's like recruiting patterns, I don't think changed thoroughly or that much, like a year to year thing. It's more like, you know, the things change, demographics change. So they're just going again, getting good people to bring in good players right yeah and like you like you don't put a fence up around florida that is not what i'm saying because i don't think that's possible every single every single coaching staff has a florida recruiter those florida recruiters are tasked with going into florida and coming back with somebody if you're minnesota if you're nebraska if you're iowa and you're the florida guy on those on those recruiting staffs you want to bring back somebody so, and this is something that affects, I think, Florida at the top and then the UCFs and, and stuff on, on the other end of the spectrum is because the state is so heavily recruited and over-recruited, 
you've got schools from outside of the state that take swings on guys they wouldn't otherwise take swings on because they're fast, in air quotes. They're fast, we'll bring them home, we can potentially turn them into a football player. And when, eventually you're going to hit on some guys. Eventually, Minnesota is going to hit on some guys. Indiana going to hit on some of those guys. Um, but, you know, there are going to be some misses too. But you're, that still the talent drain is coming out of the state. And so a diamond in the rough that Florida, Florida State, or Miami could keep home, a diamond in the rough that UCF, you know, greatly needs or USF greatly needs, those guys are leaving. So it's just a very, very highly competitive part of the country. And if you've got recruiters, you can go out. Ohio State made a living in Texas, man, with Believe Urban Meyer towards the end. Like, I mean, they still are now, right? They still are. Like, you know, we were talking about this off air. Why the hell does the starting quarterback of Alabama come from California? Why the hell does the starting quarterback of Ohio State come from Southern California? That's ridiculous. From Answer a the question, Deontay. From a Southern California me. perspective. He's trying to trigger me. <laughs> Answer the go- question, then. I'm not going why, to Why are your make- kids leaving the state, we, Deontay? We will have that conversation soon. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I will say um, that Richard's kind of getting at here and why it's so important, I think, that all these recruiters is on staff is, and I think we saw this the second half of the season, there's not a lot in the cupboard right now at Florida. Mm-mm. There's just not a lot in the cover. Like, they've got to hit. Obviously, you know, and I think a lot of that informs why, you know, the fan base maybe has a misunderstanding about the way that this process of transition is going to affect recruiting in this early signing period. You're kind of having to pay the price in December, hoping you can make it up between the transfer portal, you know, in the spring, and then trying to roll into a new class going into next season. But they have to hit it hard and get year one guys who can contribute very early at key positions because there's just not a lot left. I mean, there wasn't going to be a lot left for Mullen this year after losing all the production that they lost last year. Basically everybody who mattered for them on offense is in the NFL now um, coming off of last year's team. So I understood it from that perspective, but watching them basically after that Georgia game, it was like, Oh, well now that I'm looking closely, I guess this isn't that good of a football team. You know, maybe I was tripping, you know, I might've got hit with some, but watching this, watching me, the helmet too much. It's wild to me that the team that very well should have gone to overtime with Alabama got absolutely smoked like it did against Georgia. I mean, it's it's yeah, they're they're gonna have to figure some things out. I think they're going to have to triage the situation more than people realize. But I will say Billy Napier is doing the opposite of what Willie Taggart did. Willie Taggart, God love him, came in and said, We're ready to go, you know, day one. We're ready to go. And then you go lay an egg against Virginia Tech on Monday night and on Labor Day night. And everybody's like, well, what the hell? I think Billy Napier is taking a different tact. I think Billy Napier is going to sell low or, uh, you know, sell that this is a rebuilding project because Utah week one comes to town. Whoa. That could get embarrassing if you have sold a bill of goods to your fan base for the next nine months. Yeah, they better, um, they better hope that it's 102 degrees outside. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just quickly, um, you know, talk about Willie Tiger. What's the temperature like at, at, at Florida State right now with Norvell? I think they need to recruit a lot better, honestly. Um, I, the facts of the matter is they didn't have a quarterback. 
I just didn't. They tried um, a whole bunch. To keep they trying. Sure did. Sure did. Um, I think people are so they. I I will not say that Florida State is in a rock and a hard place. I will say that Florida State put themselves in Oof. a rock and a hard place, which is if you wanted to get rid of Mike Norvell, you can't right now because of your commitments to Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell. Remember, nobody forced you to fire Willie Taggart after 20-some-odd mm. games. You did that yourself, even though it wasn't going well. You did that yourself. So now you're in that position in combination with, obviously, it's not going well, the Norvell era so far. Um, you know, the, the state is at a tipping point right now. Um, and it's for the taking in a way that it really hasn't been in quite some time. All three of them, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, no, all three of them are not ever good at the same time. It's usually two, and then one of them is sort of in some sort of cycle. Obviously, that one has been Miami most often in the last 20 years. Uh, well, the last 15 years, I should say. Um, so, but right now, it's for the taking. Um, USF can't get a shit together on that end. UCF, we'll see. Um, and FAU and FIU, God knows. FIU just hired Mike McIntyre, which good luck. Um, so, well, don't they have zero funds? They have zero they funds. Have they have zero like, players. They have nothing. They have nothing. Bad man. So it it is for the taking right now in the state. I think it's a fascinating time um, in the state of Florida. I think Miami people, if Miami can get its infrastructure up to a, you know the right level, um, I think Miami's seriously going to be something to reckon with again. And I know Miami fans are going to go nuts, but they aren't trying to and shouldn't be trying to run back the early 2000s. I know that's not what you want to hear, but Dan Radakovich, as an athletic director, did this at, at Clemson, where he came in and he said, whoa, we got we to change the way we do business, fellas, at Clemson. And buddy, did they. The same thing has to happen in Miami. You have got to come in in combination with Mario Cristobal, who has seen the way business should be done with Nick Saban and who knows South Florida, obviously, and say, fellas, we got to change some shit up here and we've got to do things differently if we hope to be successful. And I do think they have a shot with what Dan Radakovich was able to pull off at Clemson. But, it's Miami. And we've said that a lot the last 10, 15 years, and they haven't been able to get it done. But they, just like Florida, just like Florida State, are in a spot where the state is for the taking, and someone's got to take it. So, go ahead, dude. Um, I was going to say, I don't even know who the audience is. That I'm speaking. Well, I do know who the audience is. I'm talking to our pal, Justice Mosqueda here. Uh-huh. <laughs> every episode, every episode, it comes I, I got to say, I got to send justice. justice astray. I always got to send Justice astray. Um, but the funny thing is, the more I think about the Miami job and Crystal Ball's role in it, I'm actually very encouraged about his potential at Miami based on what happened at Oregon. And I know that that might come off maybe confusing because people have – this idea of what Oregon was under chip, you know, in that era, I do have and to what, remind And what people, Oregon's going to be under chip going forward, right? Oh, right. That, is <laughs> not, that is not the reporting of Richard Johnson and or Sports Illustrated. I will tell you that right no, now. No, I think I feel I know. No, sir. <laughs> um, but 
I think that, you know, and we kind of, I think a lot of people, it's easy to lose sight of this when you have like that organic, you know, grow from maybe a, a cute contender to a team that's actually really competing. Everything that happened on Oregon's trajectory said that by the time that they got to crystal ball, they should have been declining. They had lost, they had let go of coaches. They had the Helfrick era. You had Taggart there for a, a literal cup of coffee before he left. And by the time you get to that, that next coach after that, it's probably time for a decline. Now, feel how you want to feel about Justin Herbert. I obviously was very critical of the way that, you know, his career went there. But everything else in terms of having an identity, implementing that, they were very serious about their recruiting. Um, you can take that and copy and paste it at a place like Miami if you can make it happen in Eugene, Oregon. I, I think they, they were have- early. Exactly. I, I think they were early this season. Um, and I Like – Excuse me. I mean, I know for a fact that Mario and that staff thought very highly of next year's team. Uh, like, I, I think that they thought next year was going to really be the year. And I think they came on really strong this season. Obviously, you beat Ohio State and Ohio State. Um, and then you make that run up until Utah's, the Utah's, and you feel really strongly um, about the way things are going and the way things have gone. Um, and so there clearly was momentum. But look, man, when Mama calls, the guy spoke fucking Spanish at the press conference. Like, <laughs> With when mama calls, um, so what does Oregon do now? I do not think running chip back is a way to do business, man. I just don't see that ending well because chip is different, yeah. It's not even that you're different and you are different as Oregon. Chip is a different dude, he's a different coach. I don't lightning in the bottle, guys. We, I don't think he's, I, I don't. I don't know if I would go so far to say Chip has lost the fastball completely in college football. The NFL thing is what it is. I don't know if Chip has completely lost the fastball. I don't want to say that, but he's a different guy. Well, I was going to say he's just fundamentally he, not the same person as a coach anymore. He's not the same. I, I don't think he wants to be that anymore. Exactly. That's what I mean. I fuck. I fuck. Oh, I know anything about Chip, but like, I just don't think. He, like, it just feels like he doesn't want it. It's not mock speed anymore. It's just yeah. Not. He doesn't want to live like that. It's clear he does not want to live like that anymore. I, you have a quarterback like Dorian Thompson Robinson who fits like the literal archetype of every quarterback that he ever recruited at Oregon, and you don't do that. It means he's probably past that, you know. Like, and to your point, I do think that there's probably an argument to be made that Oregon is different. It's not the same. The context, you know, these circumstances, it's not the same. It's okay. We can all commemorate a great half decade played for a national title, Oof. you know. After you leave, you go play for another national title. Awesome. It was great. You guys can commemorate it, put it on a plaque. You can put his name on something in the stadium if you want to. I don't are think you, that that's a marriage that needs to happen again. Also, are you burying the Oregon program right now? No, we are not. No. We are saying it has shifted. <laughs> that was, that just, sounded like a eulogy. I'm, I, I don't want to put no, it I will you say about, this. But. I will say this, and Deontay is going to know where <laughs> I'm going with this as soon as I start saying it. There is something going on. In Los Angeles, Ugh. that was not going on in 2012. And what I and what I will add to that is the last time that something like this was happening in Los Angeles, Oregon did not get to be Oregon. Exactly, they didn't get to be Oregon. Exactly. Explicitly, Oregon got to be Oregon when this was not happening in yes. Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Okay. Exactly. One half because of what the NCAA did with their sanctions, and the other half based on their leadership following the sanctions. But that's why. 
A yes. D'Anthony Thomas that gets to be a superstar at Oregon, <laughs> don't get to go to Oregon if USC is USC. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. I know nobody, pro- I'm, I'm sure nobody okay. wants to hear that. Came but the truth though? is the truth. You don't, crazy? It, DeForest Buckner, those guys don't leave well, their backyard. should be at LSU. Let's not fucking beat around the bush. Okay. I, like, I, don't know if <laughs> I don't know if Deontay said this on this show, but I had somebody told me one time, it was like, look, honestly, whether USC is really cooking or not, if US, if you are, if you live west of the Rocky Mountains and USC wants you to go to USC, you go that's to USC. School. You don't think about it. It's the truth. That's, that's the way things work. I was at the end of the Pete Carroll era. They were going into Louisiana because they basically felt like if we blink at a kid that lives on the West Coast, he's coming anyways. So let's go see what's happening with Joe McKnight. Right. Maybe so we can saying, if, you, if you like it, it, that's such a perfect um, example here because like. You had Reggie Bush, and you go and get this guy who was supposed to be the next Reggie Bush. Uh, you, that shouldn't happen, especially where LSU was. And remember, this happened to LSU a lot in like 1990 through 2000, right. 2002, maybe. It didn't happen at that point. That was that wasn't that happening was between, to LSU. That was between Nick and exactly, uh, and less really sort of booting it up. Exactly. So that's you know, ex- to your point, when SE is doing this. It's scary hours for the entire West Coast. And, like, it's not particular to Oregon. Like, Texas can catch strays from this when SC is SC. Oklahoma can catch strays from this when SC is SC. Well, first of all, Utah is the best team in the Pac-12. They're good, no matter what. Um, Sure, yeah. Uh That's not going to – that ain't going to keep on much longer, Bubba. But I, I think Oregon has a year now. While you're seeing maybe Lincoln create this new machine there, because like I agree with what you're saying here, this team, if the quarterback is good, I always forget his name, that the, the kid's going to be a sophomore um, or at least a redshirt freshman next season, the quarterback. If he can play, there should be returning a bunch of players. They should be good next year. So they got one, one maybe two more years to, to, to like get that back to a title again, back to Pac-12 title again, maybe make another run at the playoffs because I think they will be, they could be pretty good next year. I do and too. Then, yeah, I do too, too. I do too. But it's like if if Lincoln, if Lincoln can get this rolling, have your fun now, Oregon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You Literally, get a year. I mean, everybody in the Pac-12, throw your parties now. Schedule all the good stuff <laughs> right now. Okay, <laughs> this is not me. This is honestly not even me speaking as a fan. I think no, anybody I, objectively. Like, I, yeah. Anybody objectively can look at what's happening over there and say, like, all right, things are moving differently on the West Coast right now. There's a lot of different kind of energy. There are kids and it's taking visits right now. Quickly. Exactly. Too. He's there only are, had the job for two weeks. I keep track I try to keep a decent amount of track on what USC does in recruiting. They're getting guys on campus that they couldn't even get to answer the phone a month ago. It's different right now. Now, does that mean that it's just going to happen like this? No. A lot of these kids may end up recommitting where they're already committed or because it's, you know. it's still a tra- it's still a transition. Exactly. Practice. But the fact that but clearly I think everybody seems to have their ears perked up at, hmm, I wonder what's going on over there. And they've been so aggressive with it that I do think that as long as nothing catastrophic happens, you know, this is this should be a turnkey operation. Yeah, this is the one we talked about on our show last night. Everybody gets one where you're like in every cycle where you're like, if this one doesn't work, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm about there with USC and Lincoln Riley. Like if this one doesn't work out, I don't know, man. I don't know. If this one don't work, USC is broken. 
Simple. That that's where I'm at with it. If this one don't work, SC is broken as a program. Like there's there's rot there that even we don't understand. I I agree. Uh, and I, I think I like, I, I, I will say like the one reason why why I think things have changed at USC beyond the fact that they just got Lincoln is how they did it, man. People do not understand how low key Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna, the one number one and number two at USC's athletic department, pulled this off. They are guys from Cincinnati. Right. Uh, they came in to uh, Bone brought Sosna with him. Sosna's a younger guy, uh, younger guy, as his number two, and they came in and they ran as stealth a search as you could possibly hope to run. Given the fact that a it's fucking college football, but b you reside in that there. media market there, no. and they don't have they have no relationships there prior. They don't know anybody nobody. at the L.A. Times, you know. Nobody. I mean, Carol Folt is new. The pre- the USC's president is new. They're all still figuring this shit out. And not only were they able to do it stealthily, they were so good at it that they were able to use LSU as misdirection in their yes. own search. Yes. that's hard to do. You're talking about two entities that have people that talk all the time, and they were able it's to weird make that move quietly. I was going to say LSU hasn't used misdirection the whole season, but whatever. Anyways, that's not the point. I just <laughs> want to get. I need another dig at the offense. Uh, this okay. What, what I like about this cycle is that it, it, everything we talk about keeps leading us to the next thing. So now we go to Oklahoma, who just hired Brent Venables, and I'm curious because. You know, from an outsider perspective, we, we me and Jonathan have talk, talked about this, and we've talked about this for a long time, actually. It's just like, Brent Venables, he's this he's this guy. He wants to sit in a room and draw plays and, and not worry about anything administratively and blah, blah, blah. He just wants to call defense. Well, he's now a head coach. How is Did something change? Did the, was the money just too much? Did something change? Did, to a certain degree, Mama come calling because he was there in the past? Like, like what happened that all of a sudden Brent Venables, who, whose name gets bandied about every cycle, but never takes a job because we assume, like I said, he just wants to coach defense. How did this change or did it change? Well, I, first of all, Oklahoma called. Okay. And it's just like... I. You say what you want about what Oklahoma has or hasn't done in January in this sport. Oklahoma has been bad for like five years out of the last fifty. Like I mm-hmm. let's let's be honest about what they are. No one else look. I, no one listening to this is like, wait, what do you guys think Oklahoma sucks? Like we only th- have to remind ourselves that Oklahoma is great because we get gaslit on a daily basis. That's by a true. Of ours, that's yes. an Oklahoma fan. Yes. So that's the only. Thing. That is very true. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Uh, it is. True. It's it's a psyop in the chat every day. <laughs> our uh, yes, our our brains have been poisoned by a friend of ours. That is very true. I forgot about that. Um, I, I think Brent Oklahoma is not Kansas State. It's not Arkansas, who have also called and inquired about Brent Venables. Right. Um, you go to Oklahoma for God's sakes. Um, <clears throat> you go to Oklahoma, especially after you've had the run that Clemson has had, which very much looks like it is at an end of a cycle. Right. I Richard Johnson did not just say Clemson is going 6-6 six and six next year. What I did say is everything about different what's going inter- on in that building. Whatever Clemson we get over the next half decade is not going to be related at all changing. to what we got the last half decade. That's changing. not what it's going to say on the quote graphic on PFF.com tomorrow. There is an AD and there is a BC and I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is 
the DeMar- the line of demarcation yes. there. Um, Clemson is moving into a different era. And if you're Brent Venables, I think you see that. Um, I think you know that. On the other end of the phone, Oklahoma's calling. Oklahoma doesn't open. Oklahoma hasn't opened mm. in 20 years. You Like, if you're a coach, you don't think Oklahoma's going to call you back in five years. Right. Because whoever it is they hire is going to go nowhere. do whatever he's going to do for yeah. the next 15 years in conventional wisdom. Right. Um. So, but, and I will say this about OU. Similar to Texas, Oklahoma is is going to be going through its own transition in the next few years. Yes, there is the SEC thing, but I'm not even just talking about that. Athletic Director Joe Castiglione's not going to be around forever, and he's been around forever to this point. Um, they will probably be a little bit of turnover in that athletic department, in addition to the SEC thing, which is going to change the way you need to do business. Oklahoma's compliance department swings a really big stick. And is that going to hurt you? Is that going to get in the way of how business needs to be done in your new neighborhood? Also, by the way, I don't think it's going to be until 2025 when those two teams are in that league. They're saying that now. I don't think it's going to take four more years for them to get in the league. So there's a lot of stuff changing. And I think if you're Brent Venables, I think you say, Now's the time because, frankly, if not now for that school, then when, dude? Like, right. for the place that you were at for 12 ish years, brother, if you ain't leaving for that, you ain't leaving. Um, so, but I, I do think Oklahoma's at a spot right now where this could. Uh, Oklahoma is not immune from becoming Nebraska. And I don't think people are going to hear that and say, that that's bad. First and foremost, remember Nebraska fired Bo Pelini for going like nine and four every year. Like the guy did not, they weren't terrible. What Scott Frost has done different story. You shouldn't be losing one score games at the clip that they are, which is why they're as bad as they are. But I say all of that to say Oklahoma backsliding to where Texas is or where Nebraska is at that point. As far as that echelon of former big 12 Southwest conference stalwart, that just hasn't figured it out, that is not out of the realm of possibility for me, despite what Oklahoma has done the last 40 years. Uh, did you have any other uh, uh, places you want to go? I have a weird one, but if you have something, go ahead. Um, no, I mean, I think that the USC stuff we, talk, we covered already, I, the only other thing I have to add with Oklahoma, and this is something I was really interested in with this coaching search is, Exactly what role Bob Stoops is actually playing there? I think Bob Stoops is cashing a fat check. <laughs> like to the longer, shake some hands. That's what I'm like. The longer I'm, this is going on. I'm like, hmm, this is giving very much shadow AD vibes because I don't know. Not that everything that everything that Richard said is true, and I also think that it helped a whole hell of a lot that they had Bob Stoops to call and say, "Hey, can you go mend some fences?" For us, because everything that I had heard from Oklahoma was that the exit there was a little acrimonious when Venables left and that things hadn't exactly thought thought over prior to him being announced as a head coach. So I am really interested to see exactly what Bob Stoops is, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies role is with Oklahoma. Um, But I do think that they'll be okay, And I think that we'll whatever they are right now, 
I think you need to put that in its own capsule from 2021 to 2023. And after 2023, when I think everybody's anticipating this move to the SEC to be finalized, that to me is going to be a brand new Brent Venables tenure and also a brand new Oklahoma era. Um, so it's going to be kind of difficult, I think, to suss out exactly who they are um, through this next like four to five years. But I do think they got a good hire, you know, and I think that bringing in Levy offensively speaking is going to be a boon for them. And we'll see, you know, I think that all of the talk about, hey, we want to do the our kind of guys thing that Clemson did. I think that it's nice at Clemson when you also don't have to worry about the fact that Wake Forest is going to come in and poach your guys. You don't have to worry about North Carolina coming in to poach your guys prior to Mac Brown. You don't got to worry about NC State. I don't know if you can take that approach with you to the SEC. So we'll see about that. But uh, but no, I think I think that covered basically everything else I was looking for. What's this weird spot that you were looking to mention? I, I, I have two now that I think about it. But the first one, the weird thing is like Colorado State. I, I just you, I, just explain. I, I guess we'll explain because I don't know how many people have followed, kind of followed this. So Colorado State head coach Steve Adazio fired. Okay, that that that's the one part of this that makes yeah, sense that's, to me. Yeah, that's um, Steve your future are. LSU office coordinator. Um, so he's fired. They hired Jay Norvell, who is the coach at Nevada. Nevada is plays in the same conference as Colorado State, and you would say the program is in better. The program health is much better, uh, I think, at Nevada than Colorado State. So explain this to me. Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I would Whoa. say that. So. I, I think Jay Norvell wanted out at Nevada. I think Jay Norvell met his ceiling at Nevada. Um, there are some headwinds just being at Nevada that hurt you. Um, and I think he's like, all right, like we need to sort of move up in life. Now, a lot of people think very highly of Colorado State as far as a G5. It boils okay. down to this. It boils down to this. They are a G5 that will spend money. Like that's really it. Um, they spend money. They'll spend money the more of the Mountain West, most of the Mountain West, and out there, Boise's not going to be Boise forever. I, they're not. Um, so everybody thinks Colorado State. If not now, then when? Colorado State botched their hire the last go around. They let <laughs> Urban Meyer. They let <laughs> Urban Meyer steer the ship. That's not a rumor. That shit's on paper. Yeah. Um. So. Don't do that. Don't do that again. And I don't think they did that again. This this go around. Nor- Norvell's a good coach, man. Yeah, Norvell is going to bring us uh, now. I will tell you, either that team is going to be portal shopping like me online tonight for my girlfriend's Christmas gifts, or I don't know how this year's going to go because you're trying to take a Steve Adazio football team to the air raid or at least diet air raid. That's not going to be so fun next year for everybody involved. Air, t- you know, tight ends don't run the air raid. So, so give it a second at Colorado State, unless they have a fully revamp via the portal. Um, and let's see how yeah. this goes. Okay, let's talk, uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about the playoffs. Uh, the playoffs uh, talk on the Two High Podcast, been sponsored by, fuck, I was so good. The first, man, yeah, Manscaped yeah. was so good. The first one was Messed good. It up. And we're tough now. All right, playoff talk presented by Weston and Southern. Uh, would you like a chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Richard, would you like the chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Whether it's fi- football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. 
Richard, would you... Richard, want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what's it like behind the scenes with... Oh my God. All right. <laughs> I I'm having a stroke right now. I mean, I mean, Ryan Nanny and Spencer Hall get through these easier than you right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm hyperventilating oh, now. I can't do this. I can't do this. All right. Want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Whether it's football su- success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western and Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth. You can hear uh, me and Deontay on the Chris Collinsworth podcast this week to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your financial and fantasy scoreboards. Every submission you ask earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. So we are catering up to $2,500 to coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on February 3rd, February 13th, 2022. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast. I already did that. Uh, And Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. All right. Uh, playoff matchups, we talked about them a bit. Um, we, we played through the pain on that one. Yeah, that was rough. Um, <laughs> talk to me about Georgia and Michigan, Cincinnati and Alabama. So, all right. So let's. You are you are going to be in Miami for Cincinnati, no, for Georgia, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yes. I will be in Cincinnati for Georgia, Michigan. I will be toasting at midnight from the press box on New Year's Eve. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that. Um, Let's let's get the first one out of the way first. You guys talked about it in early in the week on Monday. Um, There's a way. Like, I don't think Cincinnati has much margin here. I think either Cincinnati like wins this game or they get smoked in this game. Like I don't think there's much in between. Uh, particularly just because of how they operate on defense. Like Deontay was talking about they're going to play a shitload of man. That's basically the only way they know how to do business. Now, Alabama actually or uh, Cincinnati actually lucks out to an extent because John Mechie's hurt. Yep. Because John Mechie isn't going to play this year, you can hope to hell that Sauce Gardner and uh, and Jameson Williams, that Sauce can lock up Jameson Williams to the extent that that player can be locked up. And then I think you figure it out against Slade Bolton and Billingsley and hope you have somebody who can guard Cameron Latu at tight end because it could be a Cameron Latu 8 for 120 and two touchdown game if he's matched up against uh, a nickel or a linebacker, who, a big a big linebacker who can't guard him and, and Cincinnati plays a lot of nickel. Um, so there's, there's that on offense for Cincinnati. I do fear that with three weeks, Nick Saban will put young Desmond Ritter in a blender. Um, someone's going to have to block Will Anderson, which good luck. Um, and I don't think you're running the ball against big Phil Mathis and Will Anderson and, his friends, even though Alabama has been a little bit suspect, 
um, against the run this year and last year, particularly against tempo when when you tempo it. Um, I I I don't see it, man. I don't see it. And Cincinnati belongs here. Cincinnati belongs in this football game. I'm not going to sit here and dismiss this out of hand. But you're sitting at the big boy table now, and we're going to talk to you like an adult. And there's really not a way to soft play how this is probably going to go on the 31st. I I don't think you're, you're going to play a lot of men. I think there's obviously exactly what you said. There's the potential that Gardner locks down Jamison Williams. And then you kind of live with the rest and maybe you're okay. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant's an also a, a, an all right corner on the other side. So you maybe you, you deal with it in some way. Do you want to play man against Bryce Young? Um, no. And have him leave the pocket and make plays with his legs like that? It's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I don't see. So what are you? It's a tough path. It's a tough path to victory. So Alabama's path. So the, the funny thing is Alabama may have fixed the pass protection thing. Which means it's over. Which, Which if they over. had, then, then it's over. It's over. It's, it's over. done. Sorry. It's done. They they swapped out the center halftime of the Iron Bowl. Uh, swapped out the right tackle. Held up obviously really well against Georgia. Yeah. And yeah, you're. And I think Brian Robinson blocked his ass off from running back. Yeah. Alabama does not have a special running back, but he did hold up pretty well in pass protection. I thought on Saturday night. But I mean, you're right. If if they're if they're really gonna block him, block it up for him, it's gonna be a long night. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be like a fifty points long night. It can be. That scares me. Yeah, I was going to. I don't say, disagree, and it scares if me. If it was forty-one against Kirby Smart in Georgia, I don't know what to tell you, Cincy. Yeah, I just don't know what to tell you. That's that's really. I mean, it's too bad. I I will root as hard as hell for Cincinnati to win this game. It's tough to. It's t- like I said. It's tough to find even one path. That makes sense for them to win this football game. Desmond uh, Ritter would have to have an auto body experience. Like he, he would, would have, he to would be have to play 2015 yes. Deshaun Watson playing Alabama in the national championship. Game. Yes, that he has level. to play out of his mind. Yeah, and I don't know if I don't know if Ritter has that in him. He I don't know if play, he had, I don't know if he'd have that in him if they were playing Michigan, for example. So and he I has really to play out know. of his mind because what I am, what this Alabama team didn't have until Saturday night was the ability. To take your shot, drop the clutch, score on five straight possessions, and now what you got now? Yeah. And now that that would be my one thing where it's like we, you're right, you're 100 percent right. They haven't shown that this year. You know, from the it's like Miami game and then the Georgia game almost. I'm probably forgetting something. But no, it, you're pretty much right. I mean, they yeah. really haven't showed it. Or they've been like, pulse. okay, the Florida game was okay. The LSU game was okay. The Tennessee game got going. It was ended up being good. And then the Iron Bowl, the Iron, the Iron Bowl was okay. It was good. It was, sorry, it was was not good. So it's like maybe this is actually not Alabama. I don't know. And now no John Mechie. So what like worries maybe this me isn't is, Alabama. I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's tough. I don't what know. worries me is what they put together on Saturday night in combination with now we have three weeks. Exactly. Yeah. If this game was tomorrow, I think it's a different story. Yeah. But they now have three weeks after it finally clicked. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
the way they won the way they won the SEC championship game was probably the highest degree of difficulty uh, that you could have to beat a team like Georgia, and they did it with relative ease. Yes, yes, they like, won on a thirty-one-seven run over the course of five simple. possessions, and the game was over. I know, like, and I, I again, you said this, and I really want to reiterate this. This does not mean that Cincinnati is not a serious football team. You just so happen to run into this. When it was Michigan State that made the playoff, I felt the same way then. Right. When it was Washington that made the playoff, I felt the same way then. When it was 2017, Clemson that made the playoff, I felt the same way then. Nice story. It's great. You guys are a great team. And if you played, honestly, if you played Michigan, I might be able to even entertain the fact that you could do that. This one, though, sorry. This is the worst out of the other, out of the three that yes. Cincinnati could draw. This Literally is literally the worst, worst matchup. Easily. Here's my one thing before we move on to the next game and get out of here. My one thing, and it's Auburn, man-to-man team gave them trouble. LSU, man-to-man team gave them trouble. LSU now, zeroed I think, them. L- LSU said, cover zero, we're coming, baby. But the thing see, about yeah. that is, the thing about that, I will give LSU credit for doing this, particularly with the staff on the beach, is they did that out of a bye week and they hadn't seen anything. The Alabama had not seen that. Right, they had said, no frame of reference for that. Uh, oh, did Auburn say they've seen like, that's, oh, that's that's what I'll say. Auburn, oh, that's what say, their mission has yeah. been doing. Coach O did say he was like, "Yeah, we put in like eight fucking new defense." Yeah. yeah so if Cincinnati wants to go that route and wants to give them something they haven't seen, maybe yes, maybe maybe. But so that's what I'm saying. Like Auburn press man, since he is also going to play press man. Auburn has here's 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 the issue though when I as I say this is like I think Auburn's defense no one talks about it that's a fucking good defense man yes yeah Roger McCreary is a hell of a corner so he cancels out Sauce um, who's also a hell of a corner they're both gonna be NFL players and then like Auburn's D line is fucking good now I do uh, you know my Jay Sanders is a really good defensive end for Cincinnati so like there there there's similarities there between Cincinnati and and Auburn and, and the way that Auburn stopped them and the way that Cincinnati can stop them. I just think Auburn's better. Auburn has better players. Sure. sure. I think on defense. So And I just like it's diff like it's also the way they're gonna it's also the way Cincinnati is going to go about their business here. Like again, this is the game the playoff games more than anything in college football are really about matchups. Really about matchups, particularly in the semis with the three weeks off. That's why I think, honestly, you see such lopsided semis because you have so much time off because you can game plan and match up and all this kind of stuff. All these guys can coach. But that, like, the way specific way that Cincy is going to probably try to do business in this game just doesn't. That ain't the way, baby. That right. ain't the way. You got, let's get out of here. So, Georgia, Michigan, uh, your thoughts? Can't wait. Can't wait. He's going to be the, close? For, yeah, because I think for Georgia, you know, we talked about Cincinnati getting the worst matchup. Georgia got the best matchup. Yeah, right? I was going to say. This is Georgia a got the best for matchup for what they want to do. This is the Novocaine. This is the get right. This may, may, if you can win, make yourself feel a lot better going into a potential national championship game. Um, you're going to get what you want, which is just trench warfare. Yeah. And at the end of the day... Michigan, I think, generates a lot of their explosives, uh, at least against Ohio State, with running the ball. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to run into the teeth 
of this defense. They are going to try to pull tight ends and run counter against this defense. Go back and fucking watch Clemson in week one try to pull against <laughs> this team. Good luck, knock, baby. You're knocked back, man. Because these guys play with a in the run, in run defense. These guys play with a level of reckless abandon that is frankly it'll make you blush honestly it'll make you blush (laughs) like it's what go back and watch the clemson game try to run qb power with dj nothing 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 we talk about airspace in the passing game no airspace in the running game no gaps nothing to run through it's it like and that's my thing with michigan i I do think michigan can win this game i'm not gonna say michigan can't win this game because i do think if Michigan really brings their big boy pants, they could come in here and try to run the ball. Cade McNamara can go over the top and then get something. Because remember, I think Alabama tried. Alabama did uh, went at Georgia on the outsides. Nobody had really done that to that point because nobody was really able to because nobody could hold up in the trenches, right? And also, Georgia has an ability to sit on you to where. They know what you're doing, and they'll just sit back, and you'll make a mistake. Yeah. But they busted on Saturday night. Busted a few times. And not only did they – not only did were, you know, Pickens won that one-on-one down the field um, on that one deep pass, all that type of stuff, but, like, the long Jameson Williams touchdown was a massive bust with crossing routes. Mm-hmm. What does Michigan do pretty much exclusively in the passing game? Crossing routes. Yeah. So there is opportunity there. On defense, on defense for Michigan, there's definitely an opportunity. Um, on defense for Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, go to work, son. Get in his face. Move him off his spots. Keep contained. Don't let him get outside of you because he will run for a little bit. But get in his face when he drops back. Change his throwing angles. Change his throwing platform. Make him be a quarterback in this game. And let's see how well Georgia does on offense. Um, I think Georgia probably will need a very, very steady dose and try to lean on a very steady dose of the run game. Stetson Bennett cannot throw 30 times in this game. If Stetson Bennett... What if JT Daniels throws 30 times in this game? Deontay, (laughs) questions to you. Deontay says we're not allowed to bring that up Deontay yeah, says we're we, not allowed we are to bring up the JT Daniels, JT Daniels, Daniels Society. We are post JT Daniels here. All right. Um, uh, uh, go, go ahead. You got 30 seconds. I'm yawning here. I'm done. I want to go I to mean, bed. He said it. Beautiful matchup for Georgia. I will say they, this needs to be not only a win for them, this needs to be them tuning up what I think they need to do the next time they see Bama, which is find every way that exists on planet Earth to get the ball into Washington and Bowers' hands. Mm. Every way. Every single pass needs yep. to be one of those two <laughs> yes. guys. Okay, yes. it's not an exaggeration. If you find Pickens, awesome. But those two need to I need to have a target on every single pass when they play Michigan, because that's the only way that I can see them getting back in position to win a national title. Mister Johnson, we thank you. Do uh, you have anything to plug? Uh, always a pleasure. My TV show is done. Uh, but hopefully next September it will be back on Monday nights on the SEC Network. Uh, I'm on Twitter at RJ underscore rights. I'm in the pages of Sports Illustrated. Uh, and I'm also 
on the Airwaves Split Zone Duo is my college football podcast with the good man Stephen Godfrey and Alex Kirshner. Uh, we have a lot of fun. The best one in town. Once a week. Yeah. We'll plug. We'll plug for Richard as well. Please read um, the, the piece that he did with Ross Dellinger on Sports Illustrated, kind of covering the nature of all of these coaching carousel moves. Um, it's going to cover a lot of the stuff we talked about today as well. Probably one of the favorite things. One of my favorite things I've read so far this year. All right. We're done. See you guys next week.